Hi everybody, this is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, the podcast about creatives, how and why they make the art that they do. And today I have a special guest, Nabila Washington, who is the editor-in-chief of Lucky Jefferson. And it was founded in 2018. It's an award-winning literary journal that generates interactive conversations around poetry and art by reforming the way journals are produced and shared. Lucky Jefferson is proud to feature poets and writers who have never been published, marginalized perspectives, and those who sought to pursue writing later in life. And I also want to add really fantastic illustrations <laughs> that I saw on the cover. So, Nabila, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is great. Oh, well, I really love the message. Like, I read, this is the thing, how social media is. You just, like, catch something. And I it was on your Twitter. I think it was on your Twitter, and you had a picture posted, and you just kind of went in about, like, why you started it, your journey, and I just found it so fascinated about the whole story of it. And I wanted to learn more, because I have an art education background, and just being a teacher in general and an artist, I am fascinated by how creatives think and, and work. So thank you so much for being willing to share the behind the scenes of your literature. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Like, I kind of gave a brief overview, but, you know, you're a writer at heart, I'm sure, and a lover of books and writing. So what inspired you to become, uh, to do this? I mean, I want to hear it all. It just sounds amazing. Yeah. So I think I'll start with the name because okay. people always ask about, like, what's Lucky Jefferson? Are they, they're like, is it a political movement? And I'm like, I mean, in certain aspects, yes, like we're going against like the status quo, like what's traditional, traditionally been done in publishing. Um, but the name came from like a text conversation between like one of my best friends, like in before 2015 or around 2015. Um, and I kicked myself because I wasn't thinking to save that text message conversation because people are always like, what were you talking about? But basically during that text message conversation lucky jefferson came up as a typo and i was like i like that it could be a smoothie shop it could be a bookstore it could be a clothing line so i put it in a note on my phone i have this note on my phone of like businesses to start potentially or like stuff i'm interested in like quirky ideas um and like in 2018 i decided to go back to school to get my master's in um english and creative writing and during that program, I was like, I don't know a lot of writers. Like, my literary world is very small. It feels very small um, because my bachelor's is actually in marketing, communications, and art. Um, visual advertising is, like, the official thing. But um, And I said, yeah, like, my network is mostly, like, advertisers, like, um, people that work in communications and marketing, artists, art educators. But... I don't know a lot of writers outside of like journalists and things like that. Like, I don't know a lot of creative writers. And so I was like, I think I want to start a community because I need support during this new journey of getting like my master's. And it would just be nice to connect to other authors. And in 2018, like the idea for Lucky Jefferson was conceived, but we wouldn't publish our first issue until like the fall of 2019. Um, and then we incorporated into a nonprofit. We're still waiting on 501c3 status, but we incorporated last October. Um, so that's kind of like how it started. It started because I had a desire to connect with other writers. I had a desire to create 
a community that was engaged, that was like supportive and loving. I know that like the literary community isn't always like those things and that that comes with any territory, but I just wanted support um, because I love writing academically. I also love writing creatively and I've been writing since I was about six or seven. Like I used to write like weird space dramas. I used to write about romance and like I had a teacher in the second grade. Her name was Miss Hunter and she just saw me um, and it was at West Hills Elementary School. I don't know if she's still there. I should try to find out, but she helped me get into writing conferences. She like just really poured into me and like believed in me and I carried that sense of community and like being seen and being centered in my education and in like this initial or like organic interest. And I was like, I want to replicate that. I want other art authors to be seen, um, no matter if they're a doctor and they're really interested in poetry or if they've been writing since they came out the womb. Like I think every journey and every path to writing is authentic um, and it's not linear. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's not, everybody doesn't have the same journey and I just wanted to create a space and a community that lifted that up, but also, also carve out a space for artists because sometimes artists are overlooked. Um, maybe their art education isn't like sufficient enough and they need like additional support out of like the educational space, like those classrooms. And so I also wanted to create a space for them. It's like, let's just kick it and like connect and like, fellowship with one another and build each other up because we're all working towards the same goal and we all deserve to be heard. Oh, that is fantastic. I find that also inspiring what you just said. I feel a lot of similarities because I started this podcast because I went back to graduate school and I'm a lot older than my fellow peers. <laughs> I'm up in age. So it it was very lonely because it was like the pandemic kind of hit and the wall just kind of closed down. And I had been so excited to go in person. And then I was like, Oh, we're not going in person. How am I going to get to know <laughs> my fellow illustrators? Because I feel like it's better not to create in a vacuum. Like we are influenced by what's around us. And if you have that support, like you said, I think you can really, people can blossom and grow into whatever thing they want to be. And I totally agree with you. It's like after interviewing like a hundred people, you go like, everybody's story's different. Like there's some threads. <laughs> like yeah. there are little points. You go like, oh, I can relate to that. But nobody's journey was exactly the same. And that's cool that it's not the, that's like that for writers. Yeah. Yeah. It's not always, and I was guilty about that for a long time, because I think, and I don't know if you've, like, read the interview we did with poets and writers, I admitted and said, like, the last time I was published was, like, in middle school. Like, I loved writing, was always drawn to it, but I didn't feel confident enough to go after that thing, and honestly, I was pushed to, like, pursue healthcare. Like, I was originally, like, a nursing major. And I was pushed, not by, like, my mother, but, like, other people. We're not going to name them at this yeah. time. But, you know, it was kind of like, the, oh, you're going to make money guaranteed as a nurse. You're going to make money definitely as a lawyer, as an engineer. And I was like, but my heart doesn't call to those things. It doesn't connect. Like, I'm very... I think right brain is creative, but I'm very creative and I'm drawn to like those textile experiences, those experiences that are interactive and artistic. And 
expressive and I was like nursing is just too rigid like I want to help people in a different way and that's how I transitioned into marketing and communications because I was like there's so much opportunity for that in the community and I can use communications to help people and then I, I just kept like like a siren like having that desire to write it just kept coming back up and I was like you know what I'm gonna go back to school for this um so yeah it's it's not always fluid, but I, I definitely felt guilty about that um, because I felt like you knew you wanted to be an editor. Like you came out the womb, I'm going to be an editor for the New York Times. But it's like the reality is not always like that clear. And like for me, like I was writing, I had that teacher like building me up. I was gaining momentum. And sometimes I wish like things were different that I had like stayed on that track because I would be a lot farther along as a personal writer as an editor um but after middle school I did like this radio show um I like nervously read this poem over the radio and then after that my brain goes blank in terms of like stuff I did to keep like moving on that track um and then I picked back up like <laughs> in 2018 which was like what 14 15 years later and it's like, I'm ready now. <laughs> and I just had to kind of own that. And I was like, because even in, in that interview, I was like, should I admit this? Like, am I going to be disowned from publishing by saying, like, I didn't go to school to be an editor initially. I didn't, like, I've been writing this whole time in different ways. But I like, you know, some some kids, like, they go get their bachelor's in creative writing. Then they go to the MFA. They do all those, like. I don't know, program steps, but it just wasn't like that for me. Everything's like scramble, but it kind of worked out because I think as an editor, you need to have a good understanding of marketing. You need to have an understanding of like creative design. You need to be a good writer too, or at least be enthusiastic about it or understand like how things lay well on the page, you know, how those words take up space, the form, the rhythm and everything. Um, but yeah, I'm proud of like my journey and I'm learning to not feel guilty about that um, and to accept that like not everything is like perfect because life isn't perfect. And I thought even in graduating with like a visual advertising degree, I thought, oh, I'm going to work at this ad agency for like 50 years and then I'm going to like <laughs> retire at like 90, you know, and hopefully have like two years to like recoup the benefits of like such a relatively stable life and none of that happened <laughs> like I I couldn't get into an ad agency I think I worked at one marketing agency in Massachusetts um hated it hated it and I just was like you know what I'm gonna go into the nonprofit world and work for other people to like try to figure out how I can help the community because I you know again had that calling to um focus on people to help people but also to write and I've had a long journey <laughs> a very long journey like if you go on my LinkedIn it's just like like girl like what were you doing <laughs> like it's all great like experience and I think like having a a vibrant or diverse experience like in terms of your career is like a selling point like in interviews like it's not like oh I worked as a clerk for like 50 years there's nothing wrong with that but it's like you have a lot more to talk about a lot more experiences you pick up a lot more skills and stuff but 
Yeah, I'm going to stop talking because I ramble too. (laughs) I think it's fascinating because I I really relate to some of this, like what you're saying. Like, I think it, it, it really helped. Like, I look back at my my career. There are certain things that I wish I just, the biggest thing I wished I'd done early on is taken more risks. Like, people don't take, talk about it because you're always like the money. What about the money? Right. And I'm like, what I've discovered is the money kind of comes with taking the risk. I mean, you could fail and you'll learn from that because I've failed plenty of times. But mm-hmm. the thing I realized is through the risks, I've been able to have some wins. And I would never have had those wins if I'd never taken the risk to put out what is it that I want. And I feel like creatives, like one of the biggest things I've noticed, there's almost like this mental barrier. Like it's like the great, a great wall that we have to climb. And it's like, Really, yeah, you could climb it, but maybe you could just punch a hole right through it and just say, this is what I want, this is what I'm going to go for. And what I figured out, because I was so shy in my undergrad, I was that kid who just, you could talk to anybody who's sitting in the back of the room, <laughs> nobody's seen me, don't look at me. And then finally, I became an art teacher for 11 years. And that was what made me realize, teaching other people art, that this is just, it's the part of what your process could be in life, that it's this non-linear journey. And you, you have to put yourself out there as a creative if you want to continue doing it. And, um, and plus you meet some, meet some awesome people that you yeah. like really, um, jive with. I, I really like you. I was like, Oh my gosh, she's great. I wish I could meet that person. <laughs> I was like, you have such a wonderful personality. And I can see that in the publication because I was really drawn. It's beautiful, the vibrancy, the illustrations, and then what what I read of some of the, the um, poetry in there. I mean, it's like, it's amazing that you're doing this on such a, I mean, because I'm assuming it's not like you got a hundred people behind you. <laughs> you know? Right. Can you tell us a little bit how many, I know this wasn't on my original question, but I have to ask, like, so what is your team like? How do you guys work? Because that fascinates me. Yeah. So in the beginning, it was just me. <laughs> Um, it was me and like my mom, honestly, like my mom was like, uh, reviewing the poems. I was like training her up and how to like be like an effective reviewer, how to like establish ethics in terms of being an editor and like being a writer. And then like, we developed an internship program because honestly, I was like, I'm not a great like production artist. Like I... I think I'm a good graphic designer, but I don't like graphic design because I actually was like pursuing a BFA in graphic design at one point. But that's like that's another story. Um, (laughs) But the internship program was born because I was like, I don't have the output or like the space to create art. I'm not a good like I need to create this art for a thing artist. I'm more of like I just create art for myself type of artist like I don't need to like put it out um and it takes like the pressure off of me um but that internship like ushered in like this opportunity for students at like schools everywhere honestly um to work with us and with my art background I was able to like effectively like use what I was good at to like communicate with students to teach them and like create these like I guess hopefully awesome experiences out of the classroom because as my own personal uh looking back at my own personal experiences as a student it was very like one-sided like I felt like I was making art to appease the professor I didn't like how critiques were run I just didn't feel 
like I could ever be like a good artist under like the program that I was in. And I was at a research university, so you get what you get. <laughs> um, but I wanted to create a different opportunity where like students felt like they could be a part of something where they could like have the freedom and momentum to just like live and grow their natural aesthetics for specific projects instead of telling them like, this is how it should be like this is how your aesthetic should be this is how your design should be it's like what do you bring to the table and how can you make lucky jefferson better through your own design and through your own gifts and talents and so we have interns i would say our cohorts which are like seasonal so we'll have like a spring cohort a summer cohort we used to have fall and winter cohorts but i've been trying to make more space for like me and other volunteers because we're all volunteers led or we're all working together um as volunteers like um sorry i'm like blanking out but no, it's um, okay <laughs> i was like no i hate when that happens oh, but, no, it's um, okay. but you have uh so you have the internship program which i thought that was yeah. great long list of like um students from some really well respected art programs and their portfolios looked really great so then as far as the volunteers, are these the volunteers that are maybe like they're not interns, but they're helping out with, the, like, you know, sorting, you know, which the submissions for the writing and, and, right. and the design maybe? or That's like where that. I was going. Thank you for like <laughs> jogging my memory. But yeah, we have like, I would say 10 to 15 interns in each of those cohorts all working together to create art, to work with us on like, I don't know, layout, design, it could be anything. I try to, like, gauge their interests and, like, personalize each experience based on that instead of, go fetch me coffee, go do this thing <laughs> you might not be interested in, you know? Yeah. Um, but for, we have guest editors, which I rolled that out about a year ago. I think we're, like, three years in as a whole with Lucky Jefferson. Um, but the guest editors, I have, like, a guest editor that um, I feel best identifies with the issue. Uh, so, like, our latest issue, Gibberish, which is all about, like, um, rejecting biases and stereotypes, like, linked to ethnic names, like, reclaiming, like, our culture and heritage. I have, like, an Asian-American um, identifying writer on that. Like, I wanted it to be somebody that, like, could offer additional perspective from, like, a um, a different lens, too. Um but, yeah, we have guest editors. I would say, like, one to two per issue. Um, that wasn't always the case. Uh, honestly, it was just me and, like, the students and, like, random volunteers who would just, like, <laughs> be like, hey, I'm interested in, like, helping you edit this thing. Um, but now it's like, oh, we have, like, support in marketing and social media. We have support in, like, um, not just the guest editor looking at this. We have students that are interested in editing. We have students that are interested in just creating art. And it's like, there's a lot of turnover in terms of like our internships only being two months of those students phase out and we have to do it all over again. But like, we have like this really cool team of folks that are just all kind of like doing what they want to do, but like still contributing to like this growing puzzle. <laughs> Awesome. Like it, it feels very cohesive. And I think Thank because you. you're you're managing all this and you are aware of what's going on with all these different um, you know, volunteers and the interns, it still comes off very cohesive and 
Yeah, I just thought it was a great um, idea. And I just love that you are offering, um, you're creating basically that platform for people to be able to be heard. And I think that's an excellent idea. Yeah, and it's interesting. There's not a lot of pressure, like, outside of, like, meeting a production deadline, but there's not a lot of pressure to sell stuff. Like, we don't have subscriptions because that's, I was like, I feel like that's, like, just gonna center or decenter the students, decenter people, which is the whole reason why Lucky Jefferson exists is because of community. Like, I literally just wanted to talk to other people. And so I didn't feel a need to, like, say, okay, we have to sell every issue that we print or, like, do or die. Like, honestly, like, those issues are not our bread and butter. The bread and butter is people. Like, the bread and butter is, like, our writers and artists. Like, they are what keep this thing going. And um, I'm going to make sure it stays that way for as long as possible, especially as a nonprofit, because now we're, like, more collaborative. So I have to, like, really, like, hammer that home. Like, do not make a big deal about, like, money like we need more money but it's like we've been doing like well enough to like survive (laughs) because of like our interests and like our goals and that we put like community first um and it's just it's like more fun that way it's like it starts to become less fun when you make it all about like money and like mm-hmm. when are we gonna get salaries and benefits and you know it's like that stuff is gonna happen but like you know so and I think sometimes I, I wonder like when you have something that you're doing like that with passion projects and then you start monetizing things and then you're like you kind of wonder when you see other other companies out there and then they almost there's that you start creating a different dynamic like you said and then it changes yeah. the game of why you're doing things and stuff like that. That's why I like, I, I do this podcast. I don't get paid. It's just fun. I love talking to people. I was like, <laughs> it served the need for me. And I wanted people to share their great work. I was like, I've met people who I was like, oh, you're a really cool person. I like your art. Can I come on the podcast and we can chat? Because like, and then, and they were, you know, usually people who are creative tend to be a little bit shyer want to talk about themselves yeah. and it, it but it was very conversational and then you get to share their wonderful work and I go like people should know about this person because they're doing something great and why does it always have to be somebody why does it have to be the point where maybe the 20 years later and you're getting some kind of award or something fancy I don't know what they you know a Pulitzer or whatever you know I think right <laughs> because I go like right. we forget like all the effort it takes somebody to get to where they're at, you know, it takes a lot of hard work. And I'm sure you and your team have put in a lot of hours to create a yeah <laughs> professional publication. I mean, it looks very, it looks highly professional. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> because of your marketing background, what's some advice that you could give to people who are aspiring writers um, and artists? To kind of market your work and get um, people's eyes on it, because as a uh, as an illustrator, you know, I'm I'm always asking people about that aspect. Yeah, um, I would say going back to your advice about like risk taking, like don't be afraid to put yourself out there, um, and don't be afraid to leverage social media to like glorify your work. 
Um, I can be very introverted. I'm not an extrovert at all. I'm like a combination of both because I'm in marketing. So I have to like get in front of people when I don't want to. Like I'm more of a homebody, but uh, it took a lot of courage for me to like even put Lucky Jefferson out there and to build kind of like our social media and stuff. But that's how you make connections. That's how you meet other people. That's how you learn more about the world and see things from other people's perspectives because if you don't you're just going to continue to feel isolated and networking through marketing is such a lucrative skill like you don't have to go to like those weird networking events I feel because I hate those um it could be as something as simple as like like you reached out to me on LinkedIn yeah. You know, and that's like a warm connection. Like, and I've enjoyed this conversation, but more artists could just, it's as simple as just sliding into someone's DMs and being like, hey, I really like your stuff. Like, could we chat? Um, what do you think about like my aesthetic? Or I don't know if you'd be like that direct, but you know, like just having like, I don't know, like informal networking, not the whole, here's my business card. Like, <laughs> cause I don't, I honestly don't have business cards. Like I need to, I just reminded myself I need to make like an order for business cards for Lucky Jefferson. But um, yeah, like social media is huge. And like, depending on the channel, like you could hypothetically go viral and everybody like just clamors for your stuff. You could, I don't know, meet someone that gives you, like, that coveted creative artist job. Um, that's, like, my biggest advice. And when I was in school, social media wasn't what it was. And I think mm-hmm. Snapchat had just debuted. And I was like, I'm not going to send people pictures of my face. That's weird. But then, like, you know, um, so I just, my advice is just to find your lane, find what you're good at, keep building on what you're good at, and don't be afraid to, like, put yourself out there, how it makes sense for you typical things kind of like with resumes they're like oh don't put color in your resume jazz it up like design <laughs> your resume like that's a marketing tool as well like it doesn't have to be like those boring black and white like cookie cutter things like I hate that that old age advice it's like your personality is your biggest selling point your ability to connect is going to help you like land those sales land those gigs and and you can be as nervous or as introverted or as reserved as you want, but you cannot do anything in this world without the help of, like, someone else. Like, even if you work for someone or if you're your own boss, you need those connections to expand your empire, to, like, grow as a person, to just bloom how you were supposed to. Um, that's, like, my advice. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's it's so true. And it, because, like, one of the things, because I'm a latecomer to social media, like Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> it was like, I learned also to be social with the other people who were there. Mm-hmm. Like, I like, because, and it's probably because of being an art teacher, I was like, oh, this person just started an account. I was like, I want to give them a like, and I want to, you know, I like their work, and I want them to know that, hey, keep going. You know, I like what you're doing here. Got it. You know, um, yeah. encouraging others because it is, it's hard sometimes. I'll look at social media, like, oh, these people are so good. <laughs> like, they're <really> good. <laughs> like, you know, and they got these huge counts and things like that. But, you know, there's all that hours, the man hours to God, like with writing, music, or, um, illustrating and art. People have, right. We just don't always see that, that they put 
have an answer it's really so thank you yeah. for sharing that advice i i really appreciate it and coming and hearing it from a writer the writing side of it too you know that writers go through that same thing they, they've got to put their work out that's great yeah yeah that's like the only thing i could think of like right off the bat and that's something i'm still working on because i don't share a lot of my work i'm very like secretive or whatever whatever you want to call that um and like reserved online like if you follow me i'm like huge into anime love anime i think that's like half of what i post about and i'm like studying japanese so i'm just like this is like you know but then i'm like oh i should probably tell people that i have a poem coming out in xyz it's just like that conscious like effort or like capability to be able to like be your own hype man sometimes um on social media like in person virtually yeah it pays off in the long run because i'm like oh my gosh like because somebody else it was weird like one time somebody reached out to me about something i had coming out and i was like oh <laughs> i should probably let people know but i don't like see myself in that way like i don't yeah i don't know if it's like a pride thing I just like don't like talking about myself but um you have to as an artist you have to as a writer um and that's something that like I think everyone that's like a uh one of, one of those what muscles that you could train like over time to just like learn to fall in love with talking about your work putting yourself out there connecting with other people as you said because I enjoy talking to people who have passion for whatever project they're doing, even if it's something that I'm not necessarily into because I'm not a writer, but I clearly feel the passion that you have for your for your work. So that excites me. Like, oh, maybe I should try and do more writing. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, which I'm trying to get into children's book writing myself. So, you know, Ooh. to me, hearing that, you know, writers are going through some of the same things that artists, illustrators do, it's it's comforting. It is. It really is. Yeah. So with all the things that you were doing, how do you manage your work-life balance? You know, any tips <laughs> or is there just none? <laughs> you just work 24-7. Um, so I'm big on like being open about therapy. And one of the things my therapist told me last year was like not to do anything that doesn't bring me joy and to learn how to make more space for myself because sometimes at least for me when I get into like that survival mode all I can think about is work I'm working myself like past like the hours where you're supposed to like not be working like working on the weekends and like um so I'll say that my work-life balance right now consists of me just creating space for myself like me reserving the weekends to go for a hike or to go kayaking me telling folks hey um, I'm going to get back to you tomorrow because I don't respond to work emails after 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. You know, it's about like respecting your natural capacity uh, because if you don't, you're going to burn out. You're going to lose interest in those passion projects that need you because you're like that lifeline for those projects. So it's like, what am I doing to protect myself and to respect my energy? Um, like this week, I've been feeling like pretty low on the energy spectrum and I was like yeah maybe it's time for me to go take a walk or what have I done for myself this week to better manage my time to better manage and not be consumed by work because after school it's like 
a grind, honestly, and a hustle to just like stay afloat. Like I guess stay in that middle class, whatever box. Um, and it's tiring. And if you like don't take out chunks of time to just like woosa or cook. Like I love cooking um, at home because it helps me be present. It takes me out of my head. It takes me like out of that. I need to get this work done and I need to do something for Lucky Jefferson. Like it's like, no, like what do you need to do for Nabila? What do you need to do for Nancy? Um, So that you can get to those things and so that you can be your best self. So that's kind of like how I'm (laughs) managing my work-life balance because at one point it was just all work and no play. And I'm like, no, I deserve to play. These things don't bring me joy. Like I took up sewing last year. I've been learning Japanese. Um, Just you have to have those little fires. Those It's the little embers that lead to like the bigger flame. Um, And so you have to do things that will allow you to continue to maintain all the other crazy stuff. So that's kind of like where I'm at right now. That's great advice. So if you could go back in a time machine to a younger (laughs) self, um, and you kind of touched about this, but like, let's say with Lucky Jefferson, if you could go back to that first when you guys were texting and you were like, oh, that's a great title for something. If you could go back in time and tell that person, your younger self, some advice that you found during this journey of creating the publication, what would that be? Um, that's a tough one. Um, I would, I would ask what makes you happy right now? Because there was one point in my life where I was like changing my major, like, six times a term like just to appease people and if I could go back to like my younger self it would be like what what does Nabila want right now what is going to make you happy because happiness can create a lucrative life um you don't need to be like some top level engineer um to like survive or to like be great like your happiness can also like be a source of revenue like I know that that sounds weird but like I just wish I had that clarity younger I wish that I didn't feel so like um trapped in this how am I gonna make money to like survive and like pay bills and like be independent and establish my own ecosystem outside of like my family um, I wish I had the lens of like where I am now, like what makes you happy? You don't want to work today. You just want to sew. You just want to watch anime. You just want to like hang out with somebody. That's fine. It's like, I would just tell my younger self, do you like do whatever. Don't be afraid to like be who you know you are right now uh, or be who you want to be because I was listening to so many different people and I think that's, like, why there's, like, this big push to, like, get student loans. I don't know if there's still a big push, but, you know, the whole student loan cancellation thing, it's, like, there's a lack of, I hate to use the word clairvoyance, but, like, there's just a lack of maturity and understanding about the choices that you make at that point. And I just wish I could just inject just a hair of the clarity that I have right now. Because I would be on an even more explosive path, still not as linear, but it would just 
helped me, um, and I think it will help other students too. It's great if you're able to turn in to say that outside of the uh, point of the interview, to talk about student loans. <laughs> yeah, I was I'm like, right. we're not going to go there. <laughs> oh, no. I, yeah, no, I can sympathize. I sympathize. No, I totally do. Um, and uh, I wanted to ask you, where do you see Lucky Jefferson in five years? Yeah, so like I mentioned, Lucky Jefferson is a nonprofit. Um, so in five years, we would have had our 501c3 approval by the IRS. Um, we're also moving towards like interactive events. So like think of like the Facebook metaverse, so taking like what a book is and making it like a literary experience outside of the book, because books really haven't changed. Their format has changed, mm-hmm. uh, but the way in which you present the information or the narratives within that book haven't necessarily changed. And we are interested in not only collaborating more in like a real life setting, but just upending what the book can be and also the people that can be a part of the book. So taking like everyday people and inviting them to like engage with writing on like a more personal level and then creating like these community anthologies based off of like those experiences. So for example, um, I don't know if I should share this because this is still TBD, but like an idea that we have is like uh, a traveling exhibit for our digital zine for Black Authors Awake. Um, because that zine is purely digital, but I'm like, we need more spaces that amplify BIPOC and also Black and African American writers and artists. So taking that zine and having pop-up exhibits where that work can be, like, experienced in real life. Um, I even see Lucky Jefferson as, like, I don't know, not like Lala Palooza level, but like a festival. Um, I want LJ which is the nickname for Lucky Jefferson to be oh. on tour. So, like, bring LJ to your city. We'll do, like, a, a pop-up or a community anthology, you know, based around a specific theme, like, in certain cities. Um, we also have a program called Little Jefferson, which focuses on kids 9 through 13. Oh, it's, really? it's a little... Yeah, what? so oh we should God. probably talk more about That's that. That's so but cool. Yeah, um, it's dormant, but it's born out of that experience that I had with my second grade teacher, and I was like, I want to just make sure that those types, those types of experiences continue to happen. But I see Little Jefferson as a press, so like children's books, and maybe one day Lucky Jefferson will will be printing in house for youth organizations and printing the work of students and eventually like authors like I see Lucky Jefferson as a press we're just we're not there yet and I'm all about slow and steady wins the race like we're not trying to just like skip any steps we're trying to do this right so that we preserve the community that we feel so that we don't have to be like okay how are we going to sell 5,000 issues you know because we're in a really good place right now so where we can play we can have fun we can shoot for the sky without any of those like weird metrics and stuff kind of like weighing us down um so yeah that's where I see us like bigger and better things people will see me more because I'm kind of like behind the scenes and I don't really put my face out there but I want people to know like who I am and that they can like talk to me we can have conversations like this um and we'll be bringing Lucky Jefferson everywhere at some point
Well, that's wonderful. I think that all of those ideas sound amazing, and I wish you the best on your creative journey and that you're inspiring um, writers of all ages and artists, and I think that's amazing, and then bringing it to a wider audience because I think it's, it's truly, yeah, there's something inspiring when you open a book and you're like, I can relate to that. I feel that. You know, and so I props to you um, and your team. Um, So where can people, because this is a podcast, where can they see uh, Lucky Jefferson? So can you tell us uh, your website and your your shout out for your social media? Yeah, so if folks want to learn more about Lucky Jefferson, they can visit luckyjefferson.com. If they want to purchase an issue, um, they can go to luckyjefferson.com slash shop. I believe if they want to donate, it's luckyjefferson.com slash donate. But once they're on Lucky Jefferson's website, everything will, like, make sense. We're on social media at Lucky Jefferson. It might be, like, Lucky Jefferson or Lucky underscore Jefferson, I think, for Instagram, underscore Lucky Jefferson for Twitter, and then Lucky Jefferson Lit for Facebook. But if you type in Lucky Jefferson, we should be the first ones to pop up because, like, our handles, I wish it was just Lucky Jefferson, but um, yeah, so that's how people can connect with us, and if they want to, like, talk to me, like, personally, uh, my email is Nabila, N-A-B-E-E-L-A, uh, at LuckyJefferson.com, um, and if they have a submission question, it's submissions at LuckyJefferson.com. Great. Thank you, Nabila, for sharing your expertise and experience and, and your creative journey with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for, like, creating these spaces for artists. I think folks definitely need to be seen way before they, like, hit it big. I think those journeys in, um, are much more, like, interesting than, like, oh, you're at the Nobel Peace Prize marking your career. It's like, what were you doing before then? Because I love those stories. Because um, it's much more, like, inspirational, and it just helps you to, like, keep going, knowing that, like, okay, it's supposed to be hard, but, like, if eventually we're going to, it's going to mellow out at some point. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to My Creative Life. Bye.